Give God a hand clap, please. Give God. Good morning. Good morning, family, friends, and guests. Shalom. How y'all doing? Online, online. How are y'all doing? I hope you are well. Under my voice, I'm finding you in a place of peace. And if you're not in a place of peace, I pray that you will receive peace in the midst of this message, in the midst of us just proclaiming the goodness of God this morning. Amen. We'll be in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, but I'm going to start with Romans 14. So if you could, just turn with me to Romans 14, verses 7 through 9. And I've been wrestling with this text for almost like a month now. It's a, it's, it's not a, let me just read it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans 14, verses 7 through 9, it says this. If you haven't, say amen. It says, for none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. Pause. Let me let you all know this is proclamations of believers, of saints, those who receive Jesus Christ, Yahshua, as their Lord and Savior. This is what we proclaim. If you're a believer, this should be what you proclaim in your heart. For none of us lives for himself. And no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for what? For the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, since none of us live for ourselves and none of us die for ourselves, therefore, since we live for the Almighty Yahweh, therefore, whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord, our creator, our sustainer, our savior. And said, and Christ died. He didn't just die, but he said he also and returned his life for this. Christ died, Christ rose from the grave for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. Amen to God's word. But did you see a word in here that troubled me? He said, Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord. That he might be Lord. Now, we're talking about the Lord of lords and the king of kings, right? The almighty God, amen? If there are believers in the house, amen? But he said that he might be Lord. And he's talking to believers. But we say he's our Lord and Savior. But he said he died and rose so that he might be the Lord of your life. What does that mean? Which troubled me when I looked at this and been troubling me with the text of Luke 14. And as I look at life and I look at the world and I look at blueprint and I look at all the churches from, from the, the micro to the macro, there's a lot of might taking place in our lives. We sing a song and say, great are you Lord? Meaning that I take a position of being one of a slave or a bond servant or a doulos and you become master 
And whatever you say, I do. And wherever you want me to go, I'll go. However you want me to respond and react, amen to that. But there's a might in our lives. A might. He might be Lord over your life. And as I look at everything going on, and as I was praying with the Lord, and as we go into this text in Luke 14, he has not been given the ability to be Lord over every believer's life. And that's why we have the problem that we have as the ecclesia and the called out people of God. Moving in a mighty way in the community. The reason why, like, man, thousands of people are not, and hundreds of people and joys of people are not being saved. Let's not act like, like we're pouring in this building with non-believers. All that come to this building are believers majority of the time. What does that mean? We got a work to do. And it's somewhere in our lives we're not yielding to the Lord of our lives. It's sad because we live more or less for that little bitty button we see on Instagram, that like button. We live for that little bitty button we see on TikTok. I think it's a heart. I don't have TikTok. I think it's a heart. Amen. We live for that little button on Facebook that said like and follow me. That's what we live for. We live for that. Man, how many who just followed me this week? I just got a notification, but we're not living for the sake of what this text about, talks about, about Christ being Lord over our lives. And I woke up this morning, and I was just going through every news. What's going on in Ukraine? What's going on with over here? What's going on with this lady stabbed this other? I'm watching the news. I'm just like, yo, like, it's work to do. But I look at the ecclesia, and I'm be honest, we're not excited about doing the work for y'all. It's not urgent to us. I talked to my brother Zach yesterday. He was just encouraged me. He's just like, yo, man, I just I saw the, ur- the urgentness, like his, how urgent he was, the urgency in his heart. And he was like, yo, 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 like from knowledge. And he was like, yo, yo, we got to raise the standard. I'm like, yo, yo, we do got to raise the standard. Because the standard we've been living as believers has been more or less grace than the standard. What do I mean by that? Y'all says the standard is you don't divorce. That's y'all's standard, right? Law. Grace is, but because y'all are broken, then I give y'all grace to divorce. Amen? See where I'm going with this. But what we do is we come straight to the grace. And we get married and say, well, I get married, and if it don't work, I'm, I'm riding out because... You know, I can't do that because there's grace. But that's not the standard. Take it over to some of you might understand. Yahweh is, he says, if they hurt you, if they persecute you, you forgive them, you love them. If they take your shirt, you give them your coat. If they smack one cheek, amen, you turn to the other cheek. My mind went somewhere else. Amen, they smack your cheek, you turn to the other cheek. You give them the other he said that once you go road, you go too. But then what we do, we go grace route. Well, God, you understand this hurt me that bad, da, 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 so I don't, I don't really want to forget right now. I got to work through my emotions. I got to work through this feeling. You know, you, you understand. You got grace and mercy. You understand my feelings. You say you understand the infirmities. You so there is grace, but that becomes the standard. 
Because here it says that I'm going to believe in faith, and I'm going to remember that it's inevitable that we all are broken. We all going to hurt each other at some point in time, so I'm trusting in God, and this is why I'm going to live, and I'm going to love my brother and sister. I'm going to love my neighbor no matter what they do to me. That's, that's, that's my goal, not this, that I focus on me first. And as I look at the ecclesia and I look at this, we're not living this. And when we go into Luke chapter 14, he exposes a lot about us. And Blueprint, we say we want to be gospel-centered believers. We want to be, what, responsible siblings, indigenous disciple makers. We're supposed to be generous stewards. So if we come to Romans, Romans 14, that tell us that we, we don't lord of our lives, then we should be doing all these pretty well. That doesn't mean that God's word should be more important to us and his gospel should be more important to us than anything else in our lives. If we say we're responsible siblings, then that means we're responsible for one another. You don't have to just be around each other to pursue another to check on them, see if they're okay. If we're supposed to be indigenous disciple makers, then that means indigenously as we move and walk, we're seeking to intentionally share the gospel to see somebody come to the faith. And if we're supposed to be generous stewards, knowing this and Christ is Lord of our lives, then that means everything that we have is not ours. And we sacrificially give it. Our time, talent, and our treasures. Our servitude. Sunday, Saturday, whatever it is for the glory of God, we give it. And we sacrifice it. And it means more than us than our jobs. More than us than our children. More than us than, than our, and our wives and our very own selves. Because that's why Jesus said, unless you hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your wife, your children. He covered all the bases. Your dog, your cat, your lizard, whatever. Then he said, your very own self. For my name's sake, for the gospel's sake. He said, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. So Christ denies you to even be his disciple if you don't come to a place of not hate but to love less. To where you love him more. And I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of seeing, and I believe Yahweh is sick and tired of seeing what's taking place in our churches. Because we're not allowing him to be Lord over his church. So let's dive into Luke 14. That's my intro, amen. I know I'm passionate. This is your first time seeing me. I'm like this even when I'm talking about my wife. So, amen. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I don't know where that came from. So, hey, Luke 14. If you could stand with me, Luke 14, verses 1 through 12. All of this I'm saying is all out of love and encouragement. Because if we keep living like we Lord over our own lives, there's a lot of lives that are going to be dying around us. People in the Ukraine, believers in the Ukraine, are adjusting their lives so they can take care of people. And because we don't have no persecution here in America, we're chilling. And there's no excuse. I have six, I have seven children and a wife. And I've had children in my life since I was 19. And when I came to the faith, I had three. And then I made four and five out of where, like, amen, it's my testimony. But I've always had children, but it never affect the time I gave to the gospel. I didn't get paid for it. 
I didn't really get paid for it until I came to Blueprint. I've been serving Jesus for 10, 15 years before here. I was a pastor before I came in, and I never got paid for it, but I was there every Sunday, all day. I opened the door. I closed the door. I washed toilets. I preached the word. I led worship, and it never bothered me. Why? Because I live for the Lord. Today, we're going to raise the standard. That's not the standard that we've been living we got to raise this bar. There's no excuses. There's a work to be done. You think your job is what you're going to bring before the Lord when he come back? You want extra hours at your job for a bill? Trust him for the bill. Go do the mission of God. And I'm sorry. we got a lot of leaders throughout the world that's weak. And they give you all a false standard of being a believer. And then y'all disciple your children to be weak. And then when chaos hit, they don't know what to do. I don't know if I want to trust God or not. I don't know if I believe him or not. Because you didn't, you didn't display it well. When suffering came, you didn't stand strong and trust in the Lord. We backbiting. We, we gossip and we talk stuff and we, we don't show grace and mercy. Now, I've been done wrong just like you have. Multiple times by brothers and sisters in the faith by neighbors or whatever, but it never adjusted how I serve the Lord. Here in chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, it says this. Matter of fact, let's skip 1 through 12. Let's go to 7. It said, he told a parable to those who were invited. Jesus, Yeshua, told a parable to those invited. Paul's. So the Pharisees and the lawyers... Lawyers, not talking about the lawyers of this day, like those who fight for those who are facing something or facing time or facing charges. Lawyers were those who just uphold the law. They were lawyers, amen? So you got the Pharisees and the lawyers, and they invited Yeshua to their house for a Sabbath meal. It was the Sabbath. Jesus, Yeshua, as he went to the house, there was a guy there with dropsy, meaning that he was filled with fluid in his body and certain parts of his body. He was sick. Yeshua looked at him because he knew he always had this issue when he healed on the Sabbath with the, with the Pharisees and the lawyers. They always had this issue where they're like, why are you healing on the Sabbath? So he, he looked at them like, yo, I'm going to do it again. He heals the man of dropsy. Boom, he heals him. He sends him out. He turns to them and the Pharisees and the, and the, and the lawyers because he's at their house. And he said, yo, look. He said, you got a problem with me healing him on the Sabbath when you know that on the Sabbath you make sure you take care of your ox and your sons and your donkeys? And they ain't say anything. He said, all right, cool, let's go in the crib. So here they are. He said, he told a parable to those who were there. Now, let me let you know who's there. These are not unbelievers there because Pharisees and lawyers, they were trying to, they always want to, um, they always want to, they walk in a lot of pride and a lot of like, like, man, like we don't, we don't associate with, with unbelievers because we don't want to look like them. We don't want to be associated with them. So in this house, you got all these people who must be law supposed to be law holders, law upholders in this house. And he said he told a parable to those who were invited. They were invited to this house by the ruler of the, of the Pharisees who was probably part of the Sanhedrin sect. And he said when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. So imagine during that time there would be this, this table and it would be a U. Imagine a U going like this, just a, a table that's in shape of a U. And those the, the host of the house will sit at the top of the U or at the bottom of the U. And then everybody else that was in an honoring position, they would sit closest to him. 
So what happened is when they came down, and I picture like a musical chair, when they came in, they're all trying to run close up to the host. So everybody's trying to sit at the top of the U. And Yeshua just looking back like, oh, okay. And knowing him, he probably sat at the bottom. And he's just watching them run to get close to the host so they can sit in a place of honor. And this is what he says to them. He said, and, and, and he noticed how they chose the best places for themselves, which is a place of honor. And then he said, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, and this wasn't a wedding banquet, but he's just using it as a parable. This was a Sabbath feast, a day of rest. He said, don't sit in a place of honor because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give up this place to this other man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when you, the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. You could be seated. So we're sitting here at this table, and the table is a place of fellowship and friendship. But obviously we know that's not true right here because they invited Yeshua. They invited Jesus, the one they've been having tension with. So, I'm, so what, what we believe and what theologians believe that they invited him to continue in their plot to trip him up with heresy. So they brought him to the house and said, okay, we're going we to find him. We know he's going to do something that's off so we can get him arrested, we can get him taken out of him. Because they already decided by this point that we got to be done with him because he's affecting our power. He's affecting our fame. He's, uh, he's affecting our, our, our livelihood. This dude got to go. So they invite him to the house. And he's sitting at this table. And his meal is being served. And then he begins to look at them. And he begins to talk about, man, like, when you're invited to a house, you don't dictate where you sit. You let the host of the house dictate where you sit. And what Jesus was talking about all the time is the gospel and the kingdom. And he's talking about the kingdom of y'all right now. And what he's saying is like, like in the kingdom of God, you don't just come to the kingdom of God and dictate what position you have. You don't come to the kingdom of God like there's some career for you. And you say, oh, I'm going to be a pastor because they make how much? Oh, yeah, I want to do that. You don't come to the kingdom of God and say, I want to be a worshiper because I've been singing all my life and I believe this is what I call to do because I'm a believer. Every believer that can sing is not called to be a worship leader. And every believer that knows how to teach ain't called to be a pastor. That's why he said, I gave different gifts. There's pastors, there's teachers, there's a difference. So he's, 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 he's sharing this story with them and he said, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Why? He said, because if you go in a place and you seat yourself, and then that host of the house come and say, no, 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 this is not for you. You're going to be humiliated in front of everybody. He said, but if you go to the lowest seat, you give the opportunity for the host to come and exalt you to that place, and then you won't be humiliated, but you'll be honored. And he's saying it to these Pharisees because these Pharisees always sought the highest places. And they were upholders of the law. Like they knew the word of God. They were the called out people of Yahweh. And they knew the law, yet they struggled with fulfilling the law. 
And as you look at the life, really, if you look at the life of Yeshua and you look at the life of the Pharisees, it's actually a, a mirror of the wrestle that we deal within. Our flesh, the Pharisee that want to uphold the law, want to work to obtain this salvation that's been given to us. And then the spirit in us, the Holy Spirit that wants to fulfill the law through love. And then you see right here this struggle he's having with them. And he tells them this, like, yo, don't exalt yourself. Allow the, the, the host of the house to exalt you. And again, they say nothing. When I got to thinking to myself, I said, God, what is self-exaltation? Self-exaltation is just simply elevating oneself. And I'm high. I'm high, but you can turn me down a little bit because I got a loud mouth. I don't even need a microphone. I just make it go. But so self-exaltation, self-exaltation is elevating yourself without the consultation of God. And make it clear again, because this is the issue. Self-exaltation is elevating yourself to any position, any, any, any placement, whether elevating your voice without consultation of Yahweh, meaning that you made the decision to elevate yourself and you didn't rest in God to do it, and you didn't trust in God to do it. When I came to be a pastor, I never wanted to be a pastor. Never, never, ever, 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 ever. Never. I saw it, I was like, that's just too much. I said, no, no, I don't want to be, I, I clean bathrooms to be a believer. That's safe. The toilet ain't going to do nothing back to me. Like, that's, I could do that. I was like, I watched my father pass. I was like, nah, I'm good. I didn't even know about, I didn't even want to be a worship leader. When I grew up, it was just all women leading worship. All women was leading worship. I was like, and then it was, you know, it was a choir and all. I was like, that ain't for me. I'm an R&B singer. That's not, nah, it's, I know that's not my calling, Amen. So I didn't see no way I fit in the church. I was like, nope, I'm not. I just wanted to be an elementary teacher, and I just wanted to, you know, be an R&B singer and whatever, whatever. But I never wanted to be a pastor. I never sought to be a pastor. Now, when my best friend died in 2007, I began to have those, those thoughts and those visions of it when I, see, when I sleep. And then that's when I knew, but you know what? I never pushed to do it, even when I knew it was, I was called to it. I waited. I waited. I knew God was calling me to lead a church. I waited. From 2007 and then now in 2022, I'm getting ready to do a church plant. And it wasn't because I said, Dahadi, send me off now. Dahadi came back and said, I think it's time now. I felt the shift in me and I would tell my worship team, like, y'all feel the shift in me the last couple of years. They've been knowing what's going on with me. When y'all didn't know, they knew like, yeah, eventually you is not going to be leading worship no more. I felt the shift in my spirit. But it wasn't me, though, because I enjoyed my cakes and, my, and my, my Miriams and my Lords. We was having a ball. When we caked, we, like, we could have did this forever Did Jesus come back. Like, we would have a ball together. This was my family inside of a family. But the calling of God, and because I didn't want to seek self-exaltation, I wanted to seek self-denial. And that's what we struggle at, saints. Self-denial. And I'm not telling you because I'm perfect with it. I can go on and on as a believer and tell you all the mistakes I made from not denying myself. And that was a key element to following Yeshua. And we teach everything but that. We teach you how to deal with your feelings, but we teach you when it's time to self-deny yourself. We teach you how to deal with, how to share the gospel, and how to read, how to pray, how to meditate the word. But you can... You can 
You can memorize scripture like the devil memorized scripture. That doesn't mean you're going to follow Christ correctly. You can be submitted under Yah and still not be following him. You can say, yo, I'm under the mighty hand of God. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian all day. Then when God say, go over there and give that. And you're like, mm. Or he said, forgive them. Forgive them now. Don't wait till them tell you. Forgive them now. They're mine. And you're like, mm, then he's not Lord. I've been in a place where I was preaching in the pulpit. I was sharing the gospel. I was reading the word. I was studying the word X, Y, and Z. And still fell into sexual sin. Why? Because there was no self-denial. Faithful. Read the word. I read four books at a time right now. I was in the word. I was reading the Greek. I was all day. But there was no self-denial. So a lot of things I did, I did from self-exaltation. I was a pastor then because I pushed myself then. Because the pastor kept saying, I think you have it. So I was like, okay. And this was before 2007. It's just the pastors need to fill in a position. I was like, okay, cool, I'll do it. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. That was before I got the call into it. And I made mistakes. I made mistakes. In the midst of it, doing all the Christianese things. But it was a lot of self-exaltation. And self-exaltation is to me, is the overlooked sin. We look at, man, don't, don't commit adultery. Yeah, 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 yo, don't, 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 uh, don't get drunk. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't smoke weed. Don't, don't. We got all these particular things, and I know y'all avoid them, but we got all these particular things, but we miss the fact that then we still battle with self-exaltation because it can be so subtle. Anytime you choose to make a decision without God, that's self-exaltation. I don't care if it's just simple as responding to your child. And that's grace. But imagine if we did everything the best way we can, the best way we can by grace, by our spirit, from a place of self-denial. And we submitted and followed Christ. And that's the issue the Pharisees had. They didn't want to, really, Jesus Christ was giving them an invitation all the time. He was correcting them so they could submit and follow him. But they want to keep leading. He was like, yo, what y'all look for? I'm in front of y'all, follow me. But they want to keep leading. And some of them weren't even called to the position. They just wanted it because the glory and the doctrine that comes with it. And I love what he said. He said in so many words, self-exaltation precedes humiliation. But humili uh, humility produces honor. Self-exaltation precedes precedes. Humiliation, but humility produces honor. God has said, if you humble yourself, I exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, I will humble you. And I felt the humbleness of God. Five effects of self-exaltation and self-exaltation has on us. Five effects that I thought about that self-exaltation has on us. One, self-exaltation, it humiliates us. 
If you keep self, if you keep walking in self-exaltation, meaning you keep elevating yourself without the, the consultation of God or the leading of God, not caring about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that say, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean out on your own understanding. But if you walk in self-exaltation, it will humiliate you. It will humiliate you. You will be embarrassed because God will humble you. You will be embarrassed. Because you're, you're going to walk in a position, and you might even go a year, two, three 10 years, 11 years, and God humiliates you. And you find yourself standing back like, how did I get here? Now nobody's trusting me. Now nobody's following me. Now nobody's believing in me. And now I done lost this and I lost that and I lost my family and I done lost my, my friendships and I lost my, my church and I lost X, Y, Z. What is going on? Because of self-exaltation, you came to a place of humiliation. Another thing, self-exaltation, it hurts. It hurts you and others. Because self-exaltation is inward. You're not thinking about nobody else. You're thinking about what works for you. So when you ex ex exalt yourself in a, in a position that God has not called you to, or if you exalt yourself voice-wise in a conversation that God didn't call you to speak into, you can hurt others. You can bring brokenness in people's lives. Not only do it humiliates and hurts, but doing the hurting, it divides churches. The reason why we see splits all over the world, I've been part of one before, been part of one recently, like, reason why it happened, I'm going to be honest with you, because of self-exaltation. Self-exaltation divides churches, it divides communities, it divides covenants. When you exalt yourself in a relationship, whether it's the church, whether it's covenant, meaning your marriage, or whether it's a community, it's going to cause division. Because one, if you're walking in a place of exaltation, self-exaltation, the Holy Spirit is being quenched. And it's the Holy Spirit that binds the people of Yah. Look in Acts chapter 2. It's the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we call it the Acts of Apostles, but it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. He mended people. He said they had one heart, they had one mind, they gave up everything for one another. They devoted themselves to prayer, fellowship, and teaching of God's word. In, in, uh, in the breaking of bread. All because of the Holy Spirit. But if it's dividing the churches, then the self-exaltation is quenching the Holy Spirit from doing the work that Yeshua already did through his death, burial, and resurrection. It also divides covenants. A lot of marriages, when I talk to brothers who, who got a divorce, whether their wife left them or they left their wife, it's because of self-exaltation. They was all about their feelings and their thoughts and what they needed. Well, she didn't give me what I need, dog. I mean, I'm a man too. I came to marriage for this. Da, da, da. Or a female. Well, he was working all the time, da, da, da. but but he was like, you were working, so you didn't have to work. But yeah, but I needed self-exaltation. Not thinking about the other person. Elevating yourself above the other person. And that's not love. That's not how we do in the kingdom of Yah. Look in scripture. Or even with, with, with covenants in the church. A church is a covenant. We're in a covenant relationship. A lot of times we see separation and stuff because there's self-exaltation. People don't want to pursue. People don't want to forgive. People don't. Self-exaltation. Let the Holy Spirit do the work of God. And it divides communities. 
Because you want to get in position, you want to raise a voice that's not really bringing the community together, you're separating it. When God wants to bring it together. So it humiliates, it hurts, it hinders. Self-exaltation hinders the, the image of God being displayed in your life and the, and the kingdom of God being represented in your life. Self-exaltation holds back the image of God. Why do you think a lot of times when God came to people like Peter and he came to Tyree and he came to, to Babylon, he always compared what he was going to do to them or their act or their characteristics to that of Satan? He would come to Peter. Peter said, don't go that way. I want you to die. He said, get behind me what? Satan. When he started bringing judgment on Babylon, he started talking about what, what Lucifer's mindset was in heaven. I will exalt myself above God. In his judgment towards Babylon. Because self-exaltation goes deeper. It's actually a characteristic of Lucifer. Lucifer lives a life of it's all about me. It's all about me and my throne or whatever and nobody else matters because it's an unloving posture. That's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. He said, I'm going to jump my, my throne above God. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be this. It hinders the reflection of God's image in us. It hinders the representation of God's kingdom through us. And then we wonder why a lot of times in our communities, a lot of social issues, a lot of whatever issues don't get taken care of. And while still in the church, we still battle with racism and hate and division, and segregation. It's foolishness. Self-exaltation. It's a sin. Not only does it hinder, but it holds back. It holds back love. Self-exaltation holds back love and forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and pursuit. You don't have to trust somebody, but we definitely have to forgive people. We can't read scripture when he tells us, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. That's not take. It shouldn't be taken lightly. And I don't think, I don't expect you a lot of amens. Because y'all used to, a, a, to the grace standard and not God's standard. God's standard say you don't have a right to not forgive nobody. You don't have a right to show nobody no mercy. Who are you? We act like God be walking around like, yeah, man, sugar. God be like, who are you? Forgave your little nasty butt. You can't forgive them. You ain't got to sell drugs to be nasty. Your pride stinks in my nostrils. Your racism stinks in my nostrils. Your selfishness stinks in my nostrils. How you holler at your children, it stinks in my nostrils. Those are my babies. How you treat your wife, that stinks in my nostrils. But then we still say, God, I have my reason to show grace and mercy. Not to show grace and mercy. So what they did. In the scripture, they always dealt with stuff. Like, when is this new? Like, it's inevitable that broken people are going to hurt each other. But not only does it hold back, but last, it, it humbles us. Self-exaltation, like I said before, it humbles us. In Proverbs 16, 18, he said, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. 
I'm not coming to y'all to be arrogant. I'm coming to y'all pleading with you all. We need to raise the standard and let Lord be, let Yahshua, let Yahweh be Lord of our lives and stop acting like he is and, and be real about this thing. Self-exaltation will cause us to put ourselves in positions instead of waiting on Yah to call us to positions because we want honor so bad. When Yahweh is the only one and Yeshua is the only one that deserves honor. But if we would wait on the Lord, he would exalt us. He says this in John 12, 26. He said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will what? Honor him. He said, if anyone serves me, not their selves, if anyone serves me, the God will honor them. Then he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself for what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of house, ready for a good work. He says, man, if you want to be honored, you want to be exalted, then, then live a life set aside unto me. Allow me to run your life. I give honor. I'm the one that invites people to the kingdom. I'm the one that sit people in their places. I would never go to a woman's wedding and tell her where I'm going to sit in her wedding. No way. Why would I do that to God? She said that place for her mom. I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here. Mama, Joe, you're going to sit over there. I want this seat. Don't think the bridezilla won't come out then. We do that to God, though. Well, God, I, I determine where I go and where I sit and what position I hold. I determine that. I determine when I start this. I start this. I want to pray before I decided. So I asked God, God, do you want me to do a campus? Do you want me to do a church? I went to him. How do you want me to do the name? What do you want the name to be? What do you want? I'm in it right now. What do you want the service to look like? Do you like announcements? Tell me. Like I'm asking him. It's his. I ask him about every nut and cranny, everything. Every single thing. How do you want it? What do you want? Like what do you want? I'm Because I'm. Because I honor he's the Lord. He bought me with a price. I don't run my life. I don't. I don't want to anyway. I'm a bad manager <laughs> of this life. I saw it. If you look at my tape, Lord Jesus. My wife will tell you better. But how do we know if we've been called to something or we or been called by Yahweh to a place or we're pushing ourselves in that place? How do we know if we're being called by Yahweh to a position or to a place or if we're pushing ourselves in that place? One. Your God-given gifts will align with your calling. The God-given gifts that's in you will align with your calling. I, I, can, I can look at my life like, okay, I see why you had me lead worship. I didn't expect it, but okay, I, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, I could sing, okay. Praise God, with your anointing, I could do a little better. Praise God, I see why you made me worship. Because like, this, this lines up. Teaching, pastor, oh yeah, I wanted to be an elementary teacher, and I've always taught when I was a kid. So, oh, it makes sense. My God-given gifts that you've given me make sense for my calling. Another way, those in authority and leadership around you will confirm your calling. Are those around you confirming your calling? Those you sit under, your authority. Sometimes we act like as believers we don't have to sit on authority. Where is that at? When do we think just, man, like, Bearside Baptist is, is how Yahweh do things? It's a reason why, because God wants us to be together. Is there leadership around you confirming your calling? 
I mean, when Moochie left, and Moochie was like, what you going to do? I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep it. He said, no, no, no. Moochie told me, Pastor Moochie. He was like, no, nah, you're going to be, yeah, you definitely going to be, you're going to be a pastor. You got, I was like, no. Nah. Anybody know Moochie? Like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm telling you. You're not Moochie. Anybody know Moochie? That's how you talk. But it was me and a guy, James Robeson. It was me and a guy. My, my bishop from back in the day, um, I still, he's still my bishop. I'm still talking to my spiritual father. Uh, Pastor Elder Shelby would tell me, man of God, this is what God's calling to. But it was confirmation of my call. Another one. There would be a season of seasons of preparation before you're propelling. God is not going to propel you if there's never been a season of preparation. You're not just going to jump and do God's thing the way you want to. No, he's going to prepare you. He's going to prepare you before he propels you. Another way you can know that you have a burden and not a zeal for what your calling is. It's a difference. You could be passionate about something, but a burden is different. Tell my worship leaders all the time I usually worship. I say, hey, pray for a burden. You should have a burden for the people because the burden separates you from a hireling and a shepherd. A hireling or a hired hand will come and just serve your church just for the sake of the money. And they don't have no burden for the people. They don't know what's going on with the people. But somebody with a burden, they think about the people. The reason why I've been at Blueprint so long, been there for 10 years or whatever, it was because I had a burden for the people of Blueprint. And it wasn't easy. Hardship comes. They had a burden for the Blueprint. Great times had a burden for y'all, for Blueprint. For the people of Blueprint, I had a burden. The reason why I text 10 o'clock at night. Because I had a burden. And, hey, how you, I thought about you. You're on my heart because I have a burden for you. I joke with Kate all the time. And I'm like, hey, Kate, if, if, I say, if, if people wanted to look at my life and they ever looked at any of our Marco Polos, and I know Kate, like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm like, I was like, Kate, if anybody look at our Marco Polos, they'd be like, man, these jokers talk all the time. Like, I, I used to talk to my worship team outside of just us doing worship. How you doing, Kate? How you doing, Miriam? How you doing, whatever? How you doing? I have a burden for you. It's not a job. When I call you, I'm not trying to do an elder work. I'm doing it because I have a burden to see you grow in the things of God, in the ways of God. There's a burden that will come with it. What else will come with it? You'll see the path laid out for you that God laid out for you that you didn't lay out. Have you ever walked in something and said, how did I get here? Like, yo, how did I get? Okay, I like this, but okay, God, let's do this. So when you just walk into it, sometimes you just walk into your calling. And then you look back and be like, oh, he was preparing me for this. Okay, I can see where he prepared me for this. Another way, there'd be a nudging of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about enough. There'd be a nudging of the Holy Spirit when it comes to your calling. The, the Holy Spirit is nudging you like, you need, to, you need to be the solution to that. You need to be the solution to that. Yeah, you need to be the, say that you need to be the solution. The Holy Spirit is nudging. You'll feel a nudging in your spirit by the Holy Spirit to do something. Not only that. We, we don't talk about this enough either. Spiritual attacks. Sad, but they're great confirmation that you and your calling. Because when the enemy gets aggravated, that hardship is activated. <laughs> activate the Holy Spirit, activate them. That was the funniest thing I ever heard, but it's so catchy. <laughs> I had to look up and say, was this real? She was on Family Feud, right? Just Holy Spirit, activate Holy Spirit, just the cutest thing. <laughs> but when you walk in your calling, demons will get aggravated. I'm telling y'all, when I used to share the gospel on the block, that's why I'm excited about church playing because I'm excited to be back on the blocks and the neighborhoods and the suburbs sharing the gospel on the street. Because that's when I saw God move in a mighty way. 
no not to Sundays or whatever, but yo, I saw Yahweh move in a mighty way when I was out there on mission. We be sharing the gospel and praying for brothers and sisters and they squirming, and they squirming while you praying for them. Or you find that you come home after you didn't share the gospel with 10 people or 100 people and then you wonder why your wife arguing with you for no reason. Or there's an issue going on or you wonder why. Like demons get aggravated when you're doing the wishing of God, when you're walking in your calling. We don't talk about that as enough. Though there's a spiritual warfare going on, pray for us, Lord. Another thing, your calling will, will happen by assertion, not aggression. And sometimes you can assert yourself into the calling. you be like, man, I really feel God called me to this. But, hey, you know, I'm just letting you know. This is what I feel like my calling is you let me. Not aggression like, y'all, God called me this. Oh, put me in there. I'm, let, let, put me in there. Let's go. No, I should be here. That's aggression. But when you just say, hey, no, I, I feel like God called me here, so I came to Blueprint. That's how y'all be y'all real nice. I came to Blueprint. Yeah, I've worked with children ministry. Had enough of it. Amen. I want to do something different. I feel like God called me. Assertion, not aggression. Amen. <laughs> Another one here, but you'll be supported, you'll call and be supported by the word of God. You'll call and be supported by the word of God. Your calling will be birthed and incubated in prayer. If, it's your, if you're walking in your calling, there should have been at some point in time where your calling was incubated and birthed through prayer. They got quiet on there. Nobody want to pray for that. No, unless he said calling comes naturally, not forced service. And the last one, you can look back and see receipts of experiences and lessons that led you to walk into your calling. You can look back and say, man, oh, I went through that with him and her for this. I got it. All that pain, I got abused because you, you want me to lead this, this class of abused women. I get it now. I heard it, but I get it now. Oh, you... You allow me to, to have that. Oh, you allow me to go through oh, facing time and almost facing 6 to 20 for dealing cocaine. Oh, so I can be able to talk to these group of guys and be able to relate to them because they can't do it. You should be able, if you're walking your calling, you should be able to look back at experiences. I knew I was going to be at a multi-ethnic, multicultural church because I saw it in my life. I grew up in the hood, but somehow I always had, like, uh, white friends and Hispanic friends. And I, like, I always had some type of, it was always a gumble of us. And then when I started doing music, I grew up in the house where my father was doing music. He used to travel with the Temptations and the Four Tops or whatever, whatever. But he used to love everything from Temptations to Sting. I'm a huge Sting fan. I think he could write his butt off. Right? I listen to Beatles. I listen to um, uh, who, who opposite the Beatles? Boys and Men. I'm just going to throw it out there. Two different generations. Don't worry about it. Don't. Just throwing it out there. I would listen to Beastie Boys. I would listen to Tupac. I would listen to Linkin Park. I mean, it was always this both. I like classical music. I like old school jazz. I like listening to scores and mood. Like, it was always in between so I could look back and say, oh, you was preparing me for this. I went to performing art school from sixth grade to twelfth grade, so I'm never afraid to speak and be on stage because from sixth grade, I've been in talent shows, so I'm not afraid of the stage. I did acting, and I did movies, and I did films, and I did stage plays from dream girls to whatever because it would prepare me to be, to know how to move on the stage and how to give and how to project. I tell you, he was preparing me. I was able to look back and see experiences and lessons that was preparing me for my calling. Self-exaltation precedes humiliation. Humility produces honor. 
God is the one, the same one who invited us to this, his kingdom. He's going to be the one to call us to position in his kingdom. And it's not about just the coming kingdom. It's about the kingdom right now as well. Because we are part of his kingdom, in case you didn't know. You're not part of the world's kingdom no more. You're not part of the kingdom of darkness no more. You're part of Yahweh's kingdom. And the Holy Spirit makes sure that his government is being upheld in your heart. And that's what government is. That's what kingdom starts. That every decision you have in your heart, that it goes through the, through, a, through the ambassador, the spiritual ambassador, which is the Holy Spirit, on behalf of the kingdom of Yah. That's so when you think about things in your mind and your heart, the Holy Spirit stepped in like, no, 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 that's not, that's not the way, that's not how we do it. You might just say, don't do that. But he's really saying, that's not the government, that's no, no, that's not the rules, that's not how we do in this kingdom. Respond differently, do this differently. So how do we avoid civil exaltation briefly? One, you proclaim daily. I'm going to give y'all, I always give y'all practical ways because we won't always want some deep thought. Like all C's, all R, but I do got all P's. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> one, proclaim daily the holiness of Yahweh and the gospel of Jesus through reading and meditating on the word of God. Proclaim daily. Proclaim daily the holiness of Yahweh and the gospel of Jesus, of Yeshua, through reading and meditating on the word of Yah. That's a great step of how you can avoid walking in self-exaltation. Because when you're reading God's word, you become humble. And you get to see how grand he is, and you be like, yo, I am sorry. This is yours. The gospel, oh, my God, you did save me. I didn't just, yo, I'm going to go forgive them right now. Because we're reminded of the gospel and reminded of who Yahweh is and his holiness. So it makes us void self-exaltation and come to a place of self-denial. Another way, pledge daily. So you proclaim daily the holiness of Yahweh and the gospel of Yeshua, but then you pledge, you proclaim daily to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Daily, you should be waking up as a daily discipline to say, God, today, and I do this every single day, God, today, this life is not mine. I deny my thoughts, my feelings, what I want to take place today. I know I got this on the agenda, but if you want to switch it up, have your way. This is your life. I literally proclaim that to him, and I tell myself that, and you're going to be obedient. We want something else that's deeper. Yo, no, give me something different. What, what did Tim Keller say about it? What did the word say about it? You sure say, pick up your cross, follow me. What more you want? And then another way is pursue daily. Pursue daily the Holy Spirit for discernment in prayer. Because sometimes we don't know when we walk in self-exaltation. I'll be honest, sometimes we don't know, sometimes I don't know. You might think it's a good thing. Peter thought it was a good thing to say, hey, God, I, Jesus, I don't want you to die. I, oh, I love you. Jesus told him it was a bad thing. Like, no, 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 no. Satan, get behind me. Why? Because you're not thinking with the mind of Yah. Just a little while ago, you did a great job. The Holy Spirit told you, I'm the, I'm the son of God. Amen. You did a great job there because you're walking in the spirit. Right now, you're walking in the flesh. It's self-exaltation. So get thee behind me, Satan. And we can easily walk into it. That's why I keep saying it's an overlooked sin. We think the issues are just because people are, people are just because it's just, it's just going to be what it be because of the brokenness of the world. It's, yeah, that's for the world. But we're believers. We got the Holy Spirit. 
It equips us with everything we need to walk in self-denial, not self-exaltation. Wait on the Lord to elevate you instead of trying to elevate yourself. For self-exaltation proceeds to humiliation, and humility produces honor. I want to end with Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He's talking about believers. In which you previously walked according to the ways of the world. He said, at some point in time, you were dead in the trespasses of your sin. And if, you are, if, you haven't, if you're not following Jesus right now, and you haven't like received him as your Lord and Savior, this speaks to you as well. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. You may look alive. But in the spirit realm, you're dead. You're disconnected from Yah, who is life. He said, you were dead in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world. You previously, meaning you shouldn't do it anymore because I'm Lord, right? According to the rule of the power of the air. We don't like to talk about that. Who's he talking about? The rule of the power of the air? Satan, he influences everything. We try to act like he does and he does. Tell my goddaughter your music. She's like, my music ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, it does. If your music is telling you, be, ho, this, this, forget that, F that, about that, about that, it does. It's informing you. It's encouraging your spirit, which is your enemy. Romans said your, your flesh is what? The enmity to God. It don't even want to do the very things of God. So why would you feed it? Kill it. Smother it with self-denial. Self-exaltation only elevates and it resurrects it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under the wrath as others were also. The wrath of what? The wrath of God. It's not Satan who's going to come and take you to hell. It's Yahweh. Let's tell people, it's our God and creator who's going to sit back and say, I gave you a chance. I, gave, I, gave, I love you. This doesn't mean I don't love you, but I gave you a chance. I'm Yahweh. I'm pure. Like, I don't, I don't wink at sin. I'm, I'm full of light. I can't even do it if I wanted to, and I don't want to, but if I want, I can't because it's who I am. It's still under the wrath of God. Like the other, he said, but God. He said, you are all these things but Yahweh, who is rich in mercy because of, the, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ even through, though we were dead in the trespasses. You have been saved by grace. And this is where it is. And he also raised us up with him or elevated us up with him or exalted us up with him and seated us with him or exalted us and elevated us to sit with Jesus in the heavens. He's the great exalter, not us. He's the one that when you was in the grave, you came out the grave, you came out of trespassing your sin, you came out of darkness because he came down to you, not because you went up to him. He left his throne for you. He left his community with Yahweh for you. He had an angel singing holy, holy, holy. Nobody disobeyed him where he was. 
He was glorious in majesty. He had it all. But he said, I love them, though. He came down for you. Came down for us. Because he wanted to bring us to himself. And then not only did he bring us out of darkness and out of the grave and out of from away from the wrath of God, but he took us to sit with him in heavenly places spiritually. And then when he come back with his kingdom, we're going to be with him. That's why he betrothed himself to you. Then he said, I'm coming back for you. I put a ring on it. That's the Holy Spirit, and I'm coming back for you. He said he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ, you know, heaven, in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. If we have the opportunity to sit with a king, why do we desire to sit in the pig pen with pigs? I'm not calling us pigs. I'm thinking about the prodigal son. He had everything with his father, but he'd rather go out in the world and find himself in the pig pen with pigs. And they realized, wait, what am I doing here? And he repented and returned home. Believers, is, is, is Christ, has Christ been Lord over your life? Is he dictating everything you do for real? And I'm not talking legalism. I'm not. I'm not talking about how you obtain salvation. I said because you obtain salvation, let him lord your life. Let him lead your life. If you're not following Jesus, let him elevate you out of darkness. Let him elevate you out of that place of death, that place of wrath that's going to come. You think you hate what's going on in Ukraine? You think you hate what's going on in the world? He hates it even more. And one day he's going to come back soon and bring judgment on everything that, that, that disobeyed him and that does not reflect his image and represent his kingdom rule. He will come back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he has always been Lord. But he's, he's, he desires to be Lord now if we allow him to. He died and rose that he might be. Lord, over the living and the dead. Believer or unbeliever, will you allow him to be Lord of your life today? You can simply repent. I don't have to know what it is. This is not Catholicism. I'm not asking you to come up and afterwards you're going to sit in the box and tell me what it is that you did. No. Right now, just repent to yourself. And I'm going to give a moment of that for us just to pray and then we're, the, as the worship team come back or as Evan will come up to play, we're going to give a moment for that just to sit and evaluate, have I been allowing him to be Lord over my life? If we don't see that we're missing it, we're going to keep living the way we are. If we want to stick to Sundays, let's look at Sundays. Sunday is one day out of the week. Out of a seven-day week. Sundays is one day out of seven days that we, Western America, what have you, has set aside to be a day 
what we say, some say it's the Sabbath. Well, we set aside and say this is the Lord's day. But we really approach it like this is the Lord's couple of hours. One day, by his grace and mercy, you work the other six. And you work 10, 12 hours doing you. Sometimes 16 hours, come home, kiss your babies, love on them, you go to sleep. Six days you do that. One day on a Sunday, two hours is too much. And I'm not saying because I want to go longer, no good service. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't mind, to be honest with you. I made a joke, but I, don't, I can be in service all day. We can go to service every day. I'm preparing for heaven. I don't know what y'all are preparing for. Heaven ain't going to be like, man, I'm tired of worshiping God. I'm going to sit there. You ain't going to be there. I wouldn't want you there. Like, God, can I get like two hours a day in heaven? Okay, I do five. No. They don't stop screaming, holy, holy, holy. They don't stop. Why? Because he don't deserve for them to stop. It's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. If COVID taught us anything, that you don't control your breath. That a disease can crush your lungs and you don't have it no more. But the one who breathed breath in you shows us grace and mercy every day. So I want to encourage y'all. That's a great thing to be in a pastor. You can encourage people into serving. Amen. And I do want to encourage you. We got babies that come. If we want to instill and sow seeds of the gospel into, I'm, be, I'm talking to believers. This is, this is not legalistic. Please hear me. And I'm, I'm, I believe we're we so caught up in, I believe we, this has become a thing. Sunday service and stuff has become a thing to us. Bible study, missional community, they become a thing to us. And it's not, it's not a natural mission of us really wanting desire that every time we meet, to see a change come to people's lives. We got babies, your babies, that we want to see come to know and know God at a young age. Will you be willing to say, okay, it's one day of a week, a couple of hours, I got to hear babies crying, amen. But I get to hug on a baby and tell them all that time that God loves them. Is that enough? Is that not, should that not excite you? Because if it don't, then I don't want my baby to be under you at all. Because I'm telling my baby that, and if they're around you, I'm hoping you do the same. I'm saying, one day of a week, is it too much to say, I help out in the parking lot? Is it too much to say, because in the parking lot, I might meet an unbeliever and I can share the gospel with him? Is that too much to ask? That one day, for a couple of hours, you can do that. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to get y'all to see Nothing else matters when the clock stops. You can be like, what you do with your time? What you, what you, it's, people are lost every time you go to your classes in college. How much are you praying for? Like, this is real. He redeemed you for himself. Believers, Sunday should be like, yo, let's get it. What's your, how long you want me there? Y'all saw anybody been here long enough? I've never, 
This is the first time in eight or seven years or whatever that I've had Sundays where I wasn't doing anything. I would lead worship. Every Sunday, well, I'm not excited. I won't fake enjoy. I, we love, I loved it. And then the next Sunday, I might preach. And I'm back leading worship. Then I preach. I'm back leading worship. I never said I'm tired of it. I'm doing it for Yahweh. And that's still coming to rehearsal on Thursday for a couple of hours, two or three, depending on how much we enjoy rehearsals. Sometimes five hours. Amen. <laughs> still going to Bible studies. Because why? Because I don't belong to me. And I think Kate is worthy of me to be at rehearsal so I can love her. And I think my brothers and sisters are worthy, to, the tailors are worthy for me to show up at every Bible study. And every time we host online because I want to see them come to know God, it's worth it. So I encourage you. Fight the self-exaltation in your life. It is a sin. It is a sin. But it's grace for it. Amen. Grace for it. It's mercy for it. Wow, it's 1247. I grew up in black church, my bad. But I'm not sorry. So let's take time out to pray. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.